Mr. Cupid appears once again. However, this time he's applying talcum powder to his genitals. Bit grim. (laughs) Very grim. (laughs) Why? Surely, surely at some point, you know, I'm assuming that this Cupid business, there's going to be more than one Cupid. Therefore, you've got to rotor in breaks because if there's only one Cupid, he's going to be in high demand. Surely you say the spell and if... For example, Cupid is talking his balls, you <laughs> yeah, know, another one, <laughs> another one comes, or you get a note saying, be ready in five minutes. I'm talking my balls. I'm talking my <laughs> balls. You know, what about what if he was having a poo? Well, that brings me on to something I was, I was about to say with regards to sort of the grossness of Cupid. Yeah. The, the you know thing he wears, he describes it as a diaper. Yes. Mm. Does he have control of his bowels? <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three rapacious and relatable ragamuffins review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My name is Phil Dean, I am your host and your guide through this magical adventure of all 163 of those episodes of Contracts Permitted. And to the fellow on my left is one of my companions who's going to join me in this journey. It's Mr. Graham Riley. Hello. Oh, which contracts were you speaking of there? Oh no, th- I'm just talking about mine. You, you, you guys might sort of wait, wait, throw me off. Or I don't know. Or uh, well, we, we, we do have that power. We did make sure that was written into the uh, contracts when we. Um, I've we never seen one of these contracts. <laughs> <laughs> was I meant to have signed a contract? Oh no, not all. You, your contracts in the post, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it's, it. It's on. Me. It's on your cloud drive. Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, Graham, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, another solid episode. Uh, the um, bright start to season two continues. Indeed, and, um, three for three at yeah, the moment. Now, looking forward to talking about it. Excellent. And uh, the man to my right is someone who I also hope is uh, excited to talk about this one. It's Mr. Christopher Evans. Hello, Chris. Hello. I'm really concerned about these contracts. <laughs> Just forget about it. Just take it. Take it up with HR. <laughs> There's a HR department. <laughs> so, Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm all right. I, Did you, you know. enjoy this episode as well? Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a good episode. Uh, it was oh, I felt like it went by very quickly. Yeah, is that a good thing or bad thing? I don't know. It's, I, I, was, I was laughing all the way through. I think it's very, very. Oh yeah, episode. it was funny. I'm just. But it did. Yeah, it did. It seem, just. See, it seemed like it was like boom, done. It was like what? I think it was the fact that this episode. I mean, you mentioned in um, in our last episode, Phil, how there was a lot of quick cuts and there was a lot of jumping from one thing to the other in this season. Um, so I think that causes the episodes to go by quicker because they've just got so many sort of parts to them. Yeah. Like, so many yeah. scenes to them. That might be due to an increase in budget because season one. Did very well, I think, at the yeah, time. So, I, I think yeah. it's also an increase uh, because of the increased in cast as well. Yeah, as well. The yeah. cast has grown, so there's mm. more more people to sort of build into the stories, I guess. Yeah, and and, and I think we're saying about the difference in you know how it feels a little quicker and stuff. It could be down to I mean, one thing about season one is when the when an episode was based on one really simple concept, it felt dragged out and boring. Mm. Whereas arguably the theme of this episode is quite simple and really really basic but yeah. it's done in in a way that makes us not realise that and enjoy it yeah. if, if you get what I mean about that like it's basically this episode is just about Sabrina trying to stop Mr. Craft from uh, being mean to her Yeah, but that, that's all the episode is about just that one little simple thing but they managed to create a really sort of fast paced funny 
uh, 20-minute episode out of it. The word I would use to describe it is dynamic. Yes, okay. So, yeah, oh, so I season two. I hate that word. Is it a teacher word? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it needs to be more dynamic. Why are you doing this? Because it's dynamic. No, it's. What does dynamic mean? Um, so we're going to crack on with uh, episode three of season two. It is entitled "Dummy for Love." Mr. Craft is being a, a bit mean to our old Sabs. So, in an effort to make him uh, unmean, she uh, makes Hilda become like a human ventriloquist dummy and makes her go on a. Dates with him. And as we established, that does not mean that a hand goes up the jack seat. No, no, no. This is just... She has got... They say she's got basic motor skills, which is very handy and very good. And, yeah, she just repeats what Sabrina yeah. says. No hand up the jack seat, but there is some... Well, not gore, but there is some... There is, there's some pretty... There's some body horror in this episode. That's for certain. Oh. Yeah, 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 you, you, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. So uh, we might as well crack on. So boys, are we ready to crack on with our third episode in hopes that this is just as exciting as our first couple of episodes? Are we ready? We are. Excellent. So this episode opens up with Salem and Hilda eating dozens and dozens of waffles in hopes of winning the great waffle sweepstakes. Already got off to a tasty start. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's like... You, they didn't need to eat the waffles. They just need to open the boxes to see if they've won. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, that's the what? what what's the, the term you use about sort of? A, Is it a, dynamic? A, <laughs> a, a, making a, a a joke about something. I say um, McBain in front of a brick wall because yeah, it's um, when he's doing stand up and um, he goes, "That's the joke," and that's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so they could have just opened up the boxes, but I guess it's funny for them just to eat as many as they can because we uh, get to see some hilarity with Salem and those waffles. And the great <laughs> line from sure. Salem: "How many waffles does he say is his limit? 30. 30. 30 waffles is my limit, and that's something I did not want to find out about myself." <laughs> he says. <laughs> So it's funny because uh, similarly to like uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, inside one of these boxes lies not a golden ticket or but no a solid gold <laughs> waffle. Uh, though some parts of Canada are excluded in this offer, so obviously Caroline Ray, Caroline Ray wouldn't be able to make use of this offer if she no, was, no, she if wouldn't, she was no. at home. Um, the second of a sort of Canada jab she's made in the past two episodes. Yeah. We're, we're really seeing tensions rise between the US and the Canadian borders. <laughs> well, they, they did, of course, go to war in uh, 1999 in the uh, South Park movie, didn't they? They, so, they uh, did, yeah. Tensions escalating up to that point. <laughs> uh, so Zelda obviously doesn't approve, but she instructs Hilda to deliver a letter on her behalf, a request to postpone her seat on witch's council duty, which I guess is... Just, jury duty. Just regular jury duty, yeah. yeah. Uh, Salem says that one of the perks of being a felon is that he doesn't have to do that anymore. It sounds like a good idea. Yeah. I mean, Graham, you've done jury duty. Uh, yes, jury service, as we call it in um, the land of proper English. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, it was... It was uh, well, I don't want to go into any detail about it. Obviously, it was, it was, it was like, quite an interesting experience. In I, a, I was going to say, basically, my, my question is, would you uh, commit a crime so you wouldn't have to do it again? No. Ah, no, in in a morbid way, it's it's quite an enjoyable. Yeah, Phil's done thing, it as well. Yeah. Um, You've done it as well. When did yeah. you do it? Like 2012. Oh bloody hell! I didn't yeah. know that. Am I the only one that hasn't done it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it'll, it'll, it'll come to you, and I think uh, you'll I think you'll enjoy it as well. Getting back to Sabrina, Doctor Andrews. Zelda tells her to not forget about it. To which Hilda replies, "What do you think we are, morons? Quick, get the camera!" Salem says, with a stack of waffles balanced 
Very nicely on his head. How did he get the waffles on his head? <laughs> How? Tail. No, there is no way. The, the, he has no opposable unless, thumb. Unless he can secretly use magic. Salem can use magic as a cat, just no one ever sees it. And he never gives away, really, that he can do it. Maybe. Either way, he had he had waffles on his head. Uh, Zelda says that the pair of them are morons because they should try looking for the solid gold waffle, you know, in the really heavy box. All I'm going to say is I said exactly the same thing, just sooner than Zelda. Yes, Zelda, I'm smarter than you. <laughs> uh, the title's open and Serena says, why don't you come up and see me sometime? But call first. Dressed as... What? I, I think this is a reference to a film. Um, again, I don't. I don't care. It we shouldn't don't, have happened. Yeah, we don't watch good films, so um, we don't. We don't know. It's certainly not from Days of Thunder. <laughs> it's definitely um, not. So, I, I, yeah, probably a film quote, but she probably shouldn't really be saying it because, out of context, at least, it does sound like some sort of sexual come on from yeah, this it, teenage girl. It's like a saloon hooker. Is yeah, outfit, yeah. isn't it from from the you know the wild western? It's yeah. a, it's a conservative version of uh, a. A saloon hooker's dress. Mm. Yeah. But still, it... Strange. No, it wouldn't yeah. look out of place in, like, Westworld, would it? No. No, no you're right. Yeah. It wouldn't look out of place in Westworld. And as far as I'm concerned, yes, I know Melissa Joan Hart is 21 now in probably, this. Yeah, yeah, but probably. About uh, uh, but she's playing a 17-year-old. She, 17-year-old, should not be saying things of that nature or addressing in that way. No. We're in school and we join Valerie swooning at Kirk. Wow, the football stood. What do we think to him, boys? Kirk? He's no Harvey, is he? No, we absolutely not. That's well, that's it. Just yeah, don't fall for him, Valerie. Harvey joins Valerie and Sabs and instantly gets grilled about Kirk. Tell me everything you know about him, Valerie says. Well, he gets athlete's foot a lot, and she seems to dig it. She, she got, she, yeah, carry me over Jehovah or something like that. She <laughs> yeah. says, yeah, it's it. She got foot fetish. Well, it, no, even, it. even if you had a foot fetish, right? <laughs> it's got athlete's fucking foot. That's not a pleasant thing. Well, maybe a kiss. Oh, show me your feet. Oh, yeah. Athlete's foot. Let me touch that fungus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, them corns. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. It, yeah, I think foot fetishists generally like feet which are sort of. Clean. Clean, pristine, nice. That's another, uh, that's a fetish upon a fetish, if she likes. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess yeah, it's, it's a fungal fetish and a foot fetish. Yeah, if, if, she, likes, if she likes, yeah. If she oh, likes. Yeah, she just rubs herself with mushrooms. <laughs> that's how she gets off. Oh, give me that good fungus. Oh, you're a fun guy. <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. So, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a... It's a disease, or you know, a fungal growth from being an athlete. So I guess, yeah, you know, he's he's manly, manly Kirkins. That's what she it's she from digs. Sweat, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really. But it's but sweat comes from being athletic. That's what they're teaching no, us here. No, not necessarily. It comes from walking. I, I, yeah, I, 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 we sweat during this podcast. Like I, that, don't we? <laughs> I have had athletes foot before, and I am no athlete. <laughs> uh, no. Harvey seems down, and Sabs asks him why. Well, guys, it's because he's just found out that Stalin was a bad guy. Oh, oh. I, I remember when I found that out because you know he, he looked so nice. He did, he? yeah. He seemed so friendly and yeah. and approachable and, yeah. and not not mean at all. Can I just make reference to how fucking big Harvey's collar is? It's it's a theme that I think Libby has a big collar later on, and some other characters. It's big, yeah. I knew big collars were a nineties thing, but they seem to all of a sudden. <laughs> sort of maybe they were very much a 1997 thing <laughs> like fall 1997 yeah, in, in the break between the seasons it's all of a sudden okay to wear horrible hats 
Um, Harvey busts out another oh one in this episode. Oh my god, yeah, we'll get to that. And to have enormous collars, men and women. So, uh, yeah, so Harvey's disappointed that uh, that he's just found out Stalin's a bad guy, which Sabrina makes like a quip about going, oh, I remember when I found that out. But no, it's because it means he's flunked his European history exam because he was too busy at football practice. Football! I can't remember what he says. A coach says another really horrible comment. You can teach people how to read, but you can't teach speed. That's what he says. Yeah. So that's, I mean, he already said something really awful. He said about Harvey being a pudding in the last one. So two horrible comments in a row means that Coach is our fourth participant in the as yet unnamed scale of bastardry. That's right. I mean, we already had uh, Harvey's own father, Mr. Kinkle. Not seen, but his um, bastardry is very often in evidence. Yes. Um, Mr. Kraft, obviously, who we see plenty more uh, dubious uh, behaviour from in this episode. Libby, of course. And yes, now uh, now the coach, who we do briefly, briefly glimpse in this episode. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. We just see him looking looking like a cock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just, just... <laughs> Just stood, yeah, stood next to Willard Kraft yeah. as well. Yeah, two, two, two cocks, two yeah. cocks. Yeah. So they, so he's he scratches that one on there because you know you can't do touch read, but you can't teach speed. It's like, yeah, fuck off. You yeah. can deal speed though. <laughs> yes, and he probably does. So, uh, so he's a bit mean and fed up about that. So Sabrina is a little uh, upset to hear that Harvey's kind of being. Not, not bullied as such by coach, but made to feel a bit crap about himself and, and no, put, put, his, put his schoolwork at risk. He's been given bad advice. <laughs> and he's basically, yeah, he's basically being said like, you know, because obviously he enjoys football and he likes, he, you know, he wants to do well on the football team. There's nothing wrong with that. But basically the coach is making it a choice between that and doing well in his studies, which is very, very unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So he gets a point on there and he's not finished just yet. Back at the Spellman house and Sabrina is busy writing an article about exactly what Harvey is going through. Suddenly Hilda comes in and naturally walks into the tree that's growing in the kitchen. Yeah, standard that. Yeah. Well, she says, Chris, it's because she must have spilt some bark extract for when she was making a potion for a guy she dated called Randy. Yeah, I hope it made him a better listener. And then we cut to a horrifying shot of a guy covered in fucking ears and again the effects are fantastic which makes this scene absolutely horrifying this is the most horrifying thing that we have seen in the show so far it's only on screen for all of about five seconds and I think that might make it worse because you barely have time to process it and it's gone just this guy he's crying isn't yeah, he's he? crying he's screaming and he's covered in ears and he's covered in yeah ears he has about six extra ears on, on his face on his face as well. <laughs> not like on the side of his head or anything on his fucking face it's absolutely I mean this is the reason why Hilda is just this diabolical overlord. It wouldn't have surprised me if she took Randy down to her fucking dungeon to administer the potion. Also, is Randy immortal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mm. if Randy's immortal, she's performed witchcraft on a mortal and that's the outcome. outcome. Yeah. It is. It is. It's a very tight shot. He could be in the dungeon. Yeah. 
You that know, is very true. She's not going to let him out in public, especially if he was mortal. She's not going to let him out in public after what she's done to him. Exactly. Well, that's my point. What if it happened thereafter and the potion was slipped it slipped to him at another point and he's actually out in public with all these fucking ears? Yeah, how long would that... Would, does that potion work for? I don't know, but on the plus side, he'll get a Channel 5 documentary made about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, at the end of it, yeah, you will get uh, an Emmy, no doubt. If, uh... <laughs> I don't think they the would man, <laughs> The man with many ears. Yeah, the man with too the many story ears. of Randy. <laughs> oh, well, uh, at least we know that Hilda's bark is worse than a bite, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so he's covered in ears, which is awful. Just then, Zelda comes bounding down the stairs because Hilda forgot to post her letter and she's now got witch's council duty starting tomorrow. She's gutted because she was very close to finding a cure for acne. All right. When she said that she was going to get the laboratory, go into chemistry and find a cure for illness, I did not expect her to start with acne. I was thinking more, I don't know, polio. Tuberculosis. Well, well, I, I guess there's different We've stages. We've more or less have cured tuberculosis in the modern world. You get what I mean. Well, no, I guess it's it's a uh, it's a key stage one. You know, in UK sort of sort of her primary school level of advanced chemistry that she's doing is cure for acne, and then she's going to upgrade and. Yeah, I guess acne's probably easier to cure than a, a life-threatening illness. She says something like, um, what hope is there for the oily now? <laughs> Which is a great line. Um, what hope is there for the oily? <laughs> Hilda suggests that she throws away the letter and pretends she didn't get it. But Zelda says it's wrong and doesn't want to set a bad example for Sabrina. Zelda gives in, scrunches a letter up and throws it in the bin, only for it to be spat right back out and become uncrumpled. Oh, why couldn't I have been an only child? Sheesh, she says. Well, no, she's got a point. Hilda is just uh, a, a terrible influence. Mean, evil, murderous, torturing yeah. people. It's frustrating for Zelda, but this is just a mistake she made. She just forgot to do it. She's too busy doing other stuff. But to say that she wishes that she didn't exist because she's got to spend a week doing witch's council service is a bit out of order. Nah, she gave a man... Too many ears. Because <laughs> he didn't listen. If that was your brother or sister, I'd be kind of like, why? <laughs> As well. So you didn't, you didn't post a letter, but you <laughs> covered a man's face in ears. Yeah. Well, uh, at school, and Sabrina is confused as to why her article isn't in the paper. And it's because Libby took it out as it was offensive to cheerleaders, apparently. Who knows? It comes to light that Valerie allowed Libby to be editor for a week in exchange of being introduced to Kirk. Uh, the article, incidentally, is about how too much importance is placed upon sports yes. ahead of um, education, which obviously is in response to uh, the horrible things that the coach has been uh, telling Harvey. Yes, so obviously Libby is affected by that because she probably just dances more than she studies. So Valerie says that she really wants to meet Kirk because uh, she reckons she's supposed to marry him. Unfortunately, she hasn't strictly been introduced to him, rather been blamed for pushing his face into a water fountain. He was more wet than smitten, she says about him. I mean, I know we didn't see it, but pushing someone's face in the water fountain is a bit of a bastard thing to do. That's going to chip a tooth. It's a bit of a bastard thing to do. And who did it? Libby. Point. (laughs) (laughs) Sabrina wrangles the editorial from another student who... They say, gee, thanks. 
Gee, thanks. Yeah, he's a problem. Oh, my days. <laughs> God, gosh, shucks. <laughs> so he just walks off and he's just about to, uh, you know, he, this guy's going to take the editorial to go and get it printed. Sabrina says, I'll have it. And he says, okay. And just leaves. Yeah. It's his responsibility and he's passing the book. Sabrina uses her magic in private to improve the paper by not only adding her story back in, but also replacing Libby's self-adoring article into one about how much she likes pie. And entered a pie-eating contest yeah, as yeah. well. It's a picture where she's co- she's got pie all over her face, covered in pie, and it just says, a quote, I like pie. <laughs> <laughs> I like pie. <laughs> so tomorrow arrives, and Harvey's thrilled by Sabrina's editorial. However, is a little worried about Coach finding out about it. Libby, on the other hand, isn't thrilled, as she swears she doesn't even like pie. <laughs> so Harvey says... Everyone likes pie. Oh, <laughs> but he's not. I have not met a single person that doesn't like pie. For one thing, pie covers such a bro. It covers every food. You can put anything in a pie. Nobody doesn't like pie. <laughs> of course, in America they don't have meat pies, so it's it's a smaller. Don't they? Meat. No, no, they don't. Why don't it's they have meat pie? Because because they have burgers and things. You know, like it, pe- meat inside pastry is a a British thing. Like, really is ah. America. You should. Try meat pie. You ever seen a Greg's in America? No. <laughs> oh, get Greg's over in America. Actually, no. Yeah, yeah, do it. Do it. It'd be called Craig's, though, wouldn't it? It's more American. Maybe, it? yeah, Craig's. Craig's. Um, so, yeah, meat pies. Yeah, God, get them down here as soon as you can. Well, make them. Just, yeah, find a recipe. Just meat, potatoes, gravy, veg, pie. <laughs> <laughs> pie. That's it. We are a northern podcast, and we like pie. And we want to know, what's your favourite pie? Just hashtag... Pie. pie. Hash pie. Hash pie. Hash pie. <laughs> That'd be a great pie. <laughs> Space pie. Um. So, yeah, Libby says that she swears she doesn't even like pie, despite the photographic evidence suggesting she won a local pie eating contest. Which, again, do you reckon that's real or just a, pro- a product of Sabrina's magic? I-, I imagine it's a product of her magic. But, I mean, if you can do that, then you could really incriminate a lot of people. Oh, gosh, Just yeah. about any way you wanted. Yeah, you can make anyone make it look like they enjoy pie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it only applies to pie. Maybe the only embarrassing picture <laughs> you can create of people is them eating pie. I <laughs> <laughs> not imagine that during the presidential election. <laughs> In the hallway, a Mr. Kraft tells Sabs that she has to write a retraction for her article. She says she won't, but Mr. Kraft says she will, because the school's biggest donations come from high school sports, and he will not let that go away because of some teenage gandhi he says sabs impressively still sticks up for herself because we've seen this sassy feisty side of her but mr crafts insists that if she still wants to write in the free press she'll write exactly what he tells her to so basically a full-on dictator that's a point point. (laughs) Uh, sabrina says she was only sticking up for a boyfriend harvey which causes craft to write his name down she runs off and libby warns craft about her telling him she's a weirdo Okay, so another one for Libby, and I think another one for Kraft. I think so. Basically, he's right. So he's saying you can only write what I, the sort of de facto sort of like yeah, president of the school, if the school was a nation, you can only write what I say. And he's putting Harvey's name down on a list, and you know, sort of saying, well, you know, he's he's a disruptive influence. He's one of those individuals, and I don't like individuals. Yeah, it's all getting a bit sort of, I don't know, yeah, he's getting a bit sort of uh, Joseph McCarthy here. It's all, yeah. yeah. It's all very yeah. Red Scare sort of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is. And then obviously you've got Libby, who is one of his foot soldiers. Yeah, his, infor- oh, his, his informer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a little bit because, well, he's 
gets on well with her dad. She yeah. doesn't he? He sent us he sent him those stakes, didn't he? That's yeah, well this is, this is what we were saying about, you know, this series having so much of a, a greater sort of um like an expanded universe. Expanded universe, but also sort of like it's sort of a depth and heaviness of pot, you know, we've got sort of a bit of a political thriller going on here. <laughs> yeah. with like the corrupt administration of the school sort of rounding with, you know, like Libby sort of Yeah, rounding up the individuals. Yeah. Yeah, see, I told I told you sort of the last episode. This this season's definitely a different beast than yeah, uh, the last one. So yeah, these just these little subtle things making it so much more interesting. Speaking of weirdos, Hilda comes into the kitchen kitted out as a lumberjack, ready to tear that kitchen tree down. She's got a chainsaw. Now, one can only theorise where that has been and been used for. Yes. Mm. Used for, used on. And yeah. she's, she's got a, a hard hat with a, with a visor. Obviously, usually that's to stop the blood splattering in her eyes <laughs> rather, yeah. than, rather than bark. <laughs> Just as she starts a chainsaw, the doorbell goes, and it's Mr. Willard Craft who comes to preach to her aunt about Sabrina writing a retraction to her very offensive editorial. However, Zelda just repeats what Sabrina said earlier. Yes, Zelda. So, but it says she's standing up for her niece. It's just, yeah, she's just yeah. writing a good editorial piece. Who cares if it, it affects is, budget? Yeah, it's quite literally, it's, a, it's an opinion. Yeah. You can't mm. retract an opinion. Yeah, good well, that's yeah, what she says. Yeah, well done. Uh, he hears the chainsaw coming from the kitchen and takes it upon himself to just investigate and going barge into the kitchen, uh, only for him to fall head over heels with our Hilda, complete with operatic choir of hallelujah, isn't it? Yeah, it's hallelujah. And uh, slow motion. He then says, The holy city which is your face, your little cheeks the streets of smiles. <laughs> Hilda astonishingly is not interested in him and ensures she tells him multiple times. And after his invitations of coffee, dinner and dancing... His requests are declined, and he leaves in a little bit of a huff. I'll tell you whose face is holy. Randy. It's covered in ear holes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a lobe blow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell, Phil. Oh, dear. He, uh, Mr. Kraft, he wants a piece of the Hilda. No, he wants a piece of the Hilda, but at no point does he make reference to the tree that's growing in the kitchen. He just seems to... It's like... He's, it's sort of addressed, and he says that, oh, I can help you with the floor finish. Yeah, but, I can help you finish off the floor yeah. once, once all but, the bark's been... But not, not how the fuck is there a tree in your house? <laughs> why, well, how? You can plant a tree in your house, but why? <laughs> well, why, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, back at school, a miserable Valerie tells Sabrina that if she isn't with Kirk soon, she refuses to take another breath. So when she leaves, Sabs tries to find a spell that will help her. And she does. It's, love is beautiful, love is alive, send me Cupid for just five ninety five. Cupid's turning a profit! Yes, yeah, yeah. Good, good to know he's got, got a little business going there. Although, you know, obviously, presumably he lives in the other realm, so would, would um, dollars be of any use to him? Oh, yeah, yeah. coins to the realm, we've learned, are... Not very good, are they? No, I mean five ninety five in in realm currency would be nothing. Yeah, probably barely be a penny. Well, th- th- well, three, yeah, three dollars three dollars fifty was like a thousand coins of the realm. Exactly. So. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, but there you go. There's the exchange rate for you, I guess. So maybe maybe he goes to the bureau de change in the yeah. realm then, and um, <laughs> yeah. sort of gets it changed for like you know fifty million. Uh, realm coins or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's good though that you know Cupid's not just out uh, one 
day a year. At least, yeah, like I said, he's turning a profit. He's got a good good business head on him, yeah. is our Cupid. And um, it's in return for a re- reoccurring character. We teased him earlier um, in season one. Um, it's our Patrick Thomas O'Brien. Yeah, so not, not, a, re- not a recurring character, but a recurring, recurring actor. actor even. So, yeah, we saw Patrick um, Thomas O'Brien uh, in the only thing close to a redeeming scene in a past episode that being when he ran the uh, index for the um, for the magic book yes so yeah in the uh, meeting dad's girlfriend episode when sabrina goes to try and find uh, gail you know her dad's uh, new partner uh yeah she runs into uh, patrick thomas o'brien the index keeper in a very very good scene which uh, stopped it from being a one chris isn't it? Yeah, yeah yeah um and here he is playing a cupid and he is going to uh, make love happen, wearing a fabulous pair of briefs and braces and a little fro. Yeah. Nice little curly fro. Sabrina pays him and he shoots an arrow of love into the arse of Kirk, who then accuses a little nerd of touching his bum. Yeah. A <laughs> little bit of humour there. Yeah, yeah, just, you touched my butt. I didn't touch your butt. Yeah, you, you, you touched my butt. <laughs> and then Sabrina says, if they fall in love, I want my money back. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be quite sweet, though. I think it would be funny if uh, <laughs> a fight looks like it's about to break out, but then it descends into a passionate kiss. I think that would be, uh, be interesting. That would be nice. Have you been reading my diary? Yeah. <laughs> He's about to rip his head off until he spots a terrified Valerie who freezes and forgets her name, but he's seemingly infatuated by her. I asked, startled deer in headlights. Um, It seems to have gone well, though, as she runs to tell Sabs in the cafeteria that Kirk asked her out. Then the excitement subsides for fear and she goes to throw up in the loose. Is that something to be worried about, that she keeps throwing up? Well, it seems to be, uh, because I don't think we mentioned it, but in the last episode, when she got made editor of the paper, her reaction was to throw up. So basically, any time anything she actually wants to happen, happens, her reaction is to vomit. All the corn dogs, <laughs> evidently. <laughs> evidently. Yeah. Maybe she should stop eating the corn dogs. Maybe yeah. that's what's really behind this. Yeah, or the quesadillas yeah. from, uh, from the... Uh... From the uh, PTSD um, <laughs> driving instructor. Uh, Sab sits down for lunch with Harvey, who is sporting the most god-awful piece of headwear I've ever seen on anyone, uh, probably for the entire duration of time itself. I, You know, we, we talked about Harvey's hat in the first episode in uh, part one of uh, the twofer. It's the same shape hat. It's the same sort of bucket hat, you know, that was sort of quite common in some various cultures, really, in the, um, in the 90s. You know, it was sort of, yeah, scarpunk associated with it. But you sometimes saw, like, you know, like the Backstreet Boys and things turning out, in, yeah. uh, turning out in headgear like that. But this one... Oh, the colours. I mean, the other one's made of felt, and that was a bit weird. <laughs> this one... Just describe, describe it to me, Bill. Well, it's kind of... Like a, a chair you'd find on your porch. Well, my grandparents, round about this time, uh, at the back of their house, they had a little, like a, like a greenhouse, but with sort of like furniture in it. Had like a kind of like a sofa, really, but yeah. with, you know, sort of like a wicker um, thing with like cushions on top of it. And it was called the summer house. Harvey's hat looked like it was made from the cushions <laughs> in my grandparents' summer house. In the nineties, yeah, it was weird. like a, 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 it's a tart pink and red tartan <laughs> or, or, or plaid or, or plaid. This pink and red tartan hat that has no place on his head or anywhere in this world, yeah. in my opinion. What outfit would that go with? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what what outfit would a pink hat? A pink, a pink, a pink horribly 
patterned. Yeah. Oh, God, it's minging, isn't it? It only belongs on, as I say, garish furniture that all people would have. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's why. Uh, Again, we, we already did. We already discussed Harvey's hat as that's so nineties in episode one. But this is repeating again because it needs to be addressed. It seriously, needs to be addressed. And you might be thinking that's a bit of a cop out, but it's it's our podcast, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so Harvey's wearing this garish hat, uh, but he's in pain. Um, I mean, we are from looking at the hat, but it's because <laughs> uh, the coach uh, was a little harder on him than usual because he didn't like his article. Dickhead. One point. Uh, Sam says she should write a retraction, but Harvey reminds her that it will go against everything she believes in, even if it does cause pain to him and his spine. Well, look, there we go. There we go. You know, Harvey is enduring physical pain at the hands of this absolute twat of a coach who is probably backed up by his father. He's probably like, yeah, your coach was damn right to be harsh on you. Football was the most important thing in the world, so now shut up, I'm watching Top Gun. Um... (laughs) You know, uh, and in spite of all this pain, physical and mental, he's going through, he realises the most important thing is that Sabrina speaks up for what she believes in and what, in turn, Harvey believes in. Mm-hmm. It's worth it's worth him suffering for. It just it just shows that we now 100% know that Harvey is part of the resistance. He, he is. is. He yeah. is. He is a true fighter. Yeah. And th- this is when we, we catch a glimpse of Coach because he's talking with Mr. Kraft because Sabrina... Um, reckon she knows how Coach found out about this article, and it's because Mr. Kraft pointed it out to him, and he, he offers a peace sign, doesn't he? It's a what bit a, of a dickhead! Yeah, that, I think that's possibly his most dickish moment. Yeah. When he's, just oh, like, it's just that care. smug face, yes. yeah. that yes. smug look on his face, staring right at Sabrina, going, "Peace." Yeah, that's right. I told Coach, and look. Your boyfriend's got back trauma. Way. Yeah, peace. <laughs> By the way, runaway leader in the um, dickhead stakes at the moment, Mr. Kraft. <laughs> got a, a three-point lead. In his second episode. Yeah. <laughs> in the corridor, Libby tells Sabrina that she can't write editorials anymore in the paper and instead must write out all of the lunch menus. Not an article about it, just, just transcribe them. Oh, what a dick move. Uh, to combat Libby's smug attitude, Sabrina fills Libby's locker with cream pies <laughs> that fall out and make a tremendous mess. Uh, Mr. Kraft assumes that this is Sabrina's doing. He just keeps saying that. Like, I know, yeah, it's you, just you, like... You filled a locker with pies. Look, yeah. that's your doing that. You, like, <laughs> you, you were in the corridor at the same time it happened. It's your fault. Granted, it is Sabrina's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was just that instant... You did that. You filled her locker with cream pies. <laughs> it's, when? When would she have the time to do that? <laughs> Why would she well, have the time to do that? The locker's not been broken into, so yeah. Serena stole her key <laughs> without Libby knowing and had time to acquire and place like 14 cream pies. But then again, what else would you think? You wouldn't think, oh, she did magic, would you? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But still... It's just, it's just a far-fetched thing. It's like, you did this. Yeah. Well, I, I, again, though, who else would? Like, how? <laughs> you can't really blame him, in a, blame him in a way. I don't think I'll give him a point for that. Yeah. What else? In a world where magic doesn't exist, how else would it have happened? <laughs> yeah. like, and Libby goes, I told you, I don't even like pie. <laughs> Poor girl, she's been traumatised by, by, by pie. By pie that might, you know, the story about her liking pie not even be true. Um, so after Mr. Kraft accusing Sabrina of doing it, I mean rightly so, uh, he is about to sentence her to detention. However, Sabrina tells him that that would upset her Aunt Hilda, who likes him so very much. Mr. Kraft takes a bit of convincing because he says, well, that's not the impression I got. But he defers her detention for a year, claiming that he still is catnip to the ladies. 
Yeah, it was sickening. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, he's still of, got it, Mister Craft. You can't again, sort of. You know, he's being he's being told that he is sort of you know attractive and that Hilda is smitten with him and things. But I don't know. It's arrogance, sort of, yeah. sort of you know, sort of his belief that he's some sort of Lothario. Sort the choice of the words, a bit catnip for ladies. Catnip for ladies. It's a bit peculiar. Catnip. There we go again with catnip. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Mister Craft is Salem. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Back home, and Sabrina is pleading with Hilda to go out with Mister Craft, but she refuses every effort. She appears in a magazine article, sort of shouting at her. She even spawns like, six floaty heads. Six floating heads shouting at her, which is horrible. The heads, yeah, they're the, the nothing on the um, man with too many ears, but oh, um, the, the floating heads are quite scary too. Good yeah. effect, but scary. Yeah. Suddenly the phone rings and it's Mr. Kraft wanting to ask Hilda out on a date. <gasps> But this is this is one of Salem's moments as well. It was uh, when Mr. Kraft arrived at the door, rang the doorbell. Salem just picks up his head and just goes, doorbell. And then when that phone rang, Salem sat right next to the phone and just goes, phone. <laughs> He's right just, next to it. Just does not want us to know the secret of how he... How, how I must it. know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He knows. He, yeah, he is, he's, he's aware that people he's will be us at this point. <laughs> he knows that people will be asking, how on earth does he answer the phone? He's, he's got, got the opportunity. He's not even going to show us. So, uh, yeah, so Mr. Craft rings wanting to speak to Hilda, but obviously Hilda's not going to speak to him. So Sabrina changes her voice to Hilda's and accepts his creepy invitation. Salem then says, that was amazing. Next, do Nixon. <laughs> Yeah, uh, imitating the voice of a, of another um, another person. You know who else had that power, Phil? Who? The Mysterons. Captain Scarlet, Sabrina, same universe. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Love is beautiful, it's never corrupt. Send me the $6 Cupid unless the rates have gone up. That's very cool. She says that as uh, Mr. Cupid appears once again. However, this time he's applying talcum powder to his genitals. Bit grim. (laughs) Very grim. (laughs) Why? Surely, surely at some point, you know, I'm assuming that this Cupid business, there's going to be more than one Cupid. Therefore, you've got to rotor in breaks because if there's only one Cupid, he's going to be in high demand. Mm -hmm. Or if there's one Cupid per area. Surely you say the spell and if... For example, Cupid is talking his balls, you know, (laughs) another one comes, comes. or you get a note saying, be ready in five minutes. I'm talking my balls. I'm talking my (laughs) balls, you know, rather than just, oh, I know, I'll just magic someone up and then talking the balls. mid talk. What about what if he was having a poo? Well... (laughs) That brings me on to something I was, I was about to say with regards to sort of the grossness of Cupid. The, the you know thing he wears, he describes it as a diaper. Yes. Mm. Does he have control of his bowels? Or all Cupid's incontinent? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah if, if he was, if he was, as you so elegantly put, having a poo, you know, and she just said this spell, would he continue to defecate on her floor? Possibly. Well, unless, of course, he's using, he's pooing in the diaper. I was assuming that he wasn't pooing in the diaper, he was pooing in a toilet. No, no, so, pro- diaper around his ankles, sort of in a crouched position. Yeah, imagine if he did shit in his diaper, and, you know, he's, he's out and about, like, or in, he's, in, in, in a school, and, he, and he's trying to uh, fire an arrow, and some kid that he was going to fire an arrow at has just gone, Can you smell shit? <laughs> Where's well, it coming from? Well, if he does shit in the diaper... What happens if he needs to change the diaper and Who someone magics him? Who changes the diaper and what happens if someone magics him up when he's getting the change of a diaper? 
Yeah, does he just appear on his back, on the table, with his feet in the air? Who knows? Or does he just magic the poo away? Is there a magic poo realm somewhere? Yeah, Salem got off lucky. He could have, you know, he got turned into a cat for 100 years. He could have been sent to the poo realm for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so, so Sweeney tells Cupid to make her aunt fall in love with Mr. Kraft. And he will. But first, Hilda must sign a release form, because she's an adult and adults sue. He says, it's fine, I can do it with, uh, with minors, because they rarely sue. I mean, rarely sue. But now he has to do it because yeah, apparently they're all the rage now of people falling in love inappropriately is to, to sue. And so that's, you know, sort of the, the blame culture, the sort of, you know, culture of being sort of litigious and everything, which really sort of took hold in America, but also in the rest of the world, uh, sort of towards the end of the 20th century. Also affected the witching realm. People sue. <laughs> Not only that, but, but I want to raise a question with minors don't sue. Oh, so it's okay to do whatever the fuck you want to miners, <laughs> is it, Cupid? It's pretty, pretty unscru- unscrupulous. Yeah. You know, basically, it won't cost me money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just make these children just, you know, sort of do whatever the hell uh, the person who's paying me wants them to do. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's very weird. Could an adult pay Cupid to get a minor to fall in love with them? Well, that's what I mean. Mm. Where does it end, mm. Graham? Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's many, many, many ethical dilemmas. That's before we get onto the shit situation. <laughs> Tell who we need in this case, Brian Cranston. Yes, we do. That's what we need. Yeah, um, we, we... Put, we'll put it to Twitter. Ask Brian Cranston if he, uh, <laughs> if he can open. If in he your can... capacity as a witching lawyer, Brian, <laughs> um, <laughs> please let us know the uh, the rules of uh, uh, which love. Sabrina admits defeat and sends him away. She flicks through her magic book and finds an interesting page: how to make your friend act like a dummy. Great for parties. Salem says that's a good spell as they still have their motor skills. However, Sabrina must supply the voice to it. So she decides to tag along the date and talk uh, for Hilda. She asks Salem if he can distract Zelda whilst she puts Hilda under the spell, which he's glad to do as he's been meaning to talk to her, or rather convince her why he's a changed man and deserves to have his sentence revoked. (laughs) Even providing a photo of himself being petted by Mother Teresa. There it was. It was a cracking scene. Yeah, it was just. It was. It, Salem, is that you and Mother Teresa? Where did you meet her? Fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he took having himself with uh, with Des Tutu as well, yeah. Yeah. He? and a few other uh, sort of nineties do gooders. And finally, a picture of him with sixties puppeteering legend Sherry Lewis, <laughs> yeah. famous for uh, Lamb Shop, I believe. Yes, the name of the yeah. little puppet. Yeah, that's from, from his personal collection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's one of those. One of those things where it's like, oh, Salem, you saucy minx. Yeah, he wants, he, he wants, he wants a... Sherry Lewis's hand up his bottom. <laughs> and, as we've established, you know, he has an arsehole. He does, <laughs> yeah. And, and then some. So, uh... Uh, by, by a couple of uh, listeners on Twitter, we've been praised for our constant reminding that uh, Salem has an arsehole. <laughs> I, I, I did not know that. That's probably my favourite bit of feedback we've received so far. So, thank you. So, thank you. So, if you do agree uh, with uh, with our uh, with our assumption that Salem the puppet does have a fully functioning arsehole, then uh, yeah, it's excellent. So, uh, so Sabrina provides a lookout for Mister Kraft, but Hilda jogs down the stairs, ready to go to the gym. Not to work out though, but to flirt with a cute juice bar boy. Mm. So, in an effort to stop her from going, Sabrina pretends to cry about how being a teenager is so hard. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Salem is still trying to prove he's not a world dominator anymore by showing off pictures of him alongside various celebrities, as we say, like Desmond Tutu. But he caves in and cries about not wanting to be a cat anymore. <laughs> I just don't want to be a cat anymore. 
Don't cry. Your fur will melt. <laughs> and not only is Nick Mackay brilliant here with his crying as ever, but the puppeteering of um, his head rearing back as he starts to cry harder. It was all perfectly yeah, timed. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, he didn't think his cry could get any better, but oh, Struth, it was awesome. Um, so Zelda caves in and says that she will talk to the Witch's Council tomorrow. So uh, good, good on you, Zelda. I mean, he's only been a cat for 25 years yeah, already, so maybe he's learned his lesson. He's still a bit of a tinker, but maybe he's learned his lesson. Sabrina eventually stops crying just as Mr. Kraft arrives at the door. Be a dummy, be a fool, switch off your brains, so please don't drool. And just like that, Hilda is now a dummy who acts at the most basic level and repeats everything Sabrina says. She's got a really good facial expression. Yeah, really, 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 really switched off facial yeah, really expression. Blank expression. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Hilda, you look beautiful. Willard says, thank you, you look totally hot, she says. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? It's like, well, Sabrina, yes, you're a teenager, but Aunt Hilda is not a teenager, therefore yeah. you should maybe try and talk in a way that she would talk, yeah. not in the way that you... I mean, it's just logical sense, she's isn't not, it? She's not a method actor, is she, Sabrina? <laughs> um, yeah, she's definitely not inhabiting the character of Hilda at all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mr. Willard Craft gives her the flowers, and she just drops them straight away to the floor, because she's, she's only got basic motor uh, functions. Yeah. Sabrina sprints after the pair. Kraft and Hilda arrive at the restaurant, but it appears that she hasn't said a word during the entire car journey, because obviously Sabrina's not been there, mm-hmm. until Sabrina arrives anyway. She sits in a booth behind the pair so she can hear them and say some responses. The waitress, however, asks Sabrina what she would like to eat. She tries to batter away, but she won't leave, so she says what she'll have to eat. It was an iced tea and a cowboy special. Yes, yes it it's a Custer's Steakhouse, by the way, a Wild West-themed meatery. <laughs> Which is Mr. Craft's favourite. He, yeah. he says he's come here a lot during the... Uh, during but the we week. know how much he likes steaks. Yeah. Yes, okay, yeah, yes, yeah. obviously. Too. Character consistency. So then we cut to Mr. Craft sort of getting into his childhood life, talking about, okay, well, my father was this, and then Hilda just says, I'll have an iced tea and a cowboy special. Oh, well, okay, and uh, the waitress then says to Sabrina, are you sure, honey, it features five different types of meat? And she just goes, yeah, 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 I'm hungry. And then Mr. Kraft continues to talk about his childhood, really sort of getting deeply into his life, for then Hilda just to blurt out, yeah, 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 I'm hungry. <laughs> and he's like, oh, crap, okay, let's, let's order some food. I actually genuinely started to feel a little for Mr. Kraft in, in, in this scene and this scene only. He's sort of pouring his heart out over the course of this to someone who isn't, like really there. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's got a crusty exterior, but I think beneath I think outside of his job responsibilities, he's a lost man. Yeah, he goes on to elaborate that he's quite recently divorced. Well, well he? the scene changes it just as we hear Mr. Kraft saying, and that's why I don't speak to my ex wife and my brother anymore. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> one can only assume that the story there is the brother and the ex-wife yeah. got it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He's, and, like, say he's only recently divorced and living with his grandma. Yeah, yeah, his grandmother. And the grandmother of a man that age is probably like in her 90s. So that, yeah, he's probably, that probably more really. or less a carer. So that, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be much fun. Yeah. But well, we do get to see this. A, a, a good side to Mr. Craft, I think. It, it's, it's good knowing that for such a... For a new character especially... For someone who's supposed to be the mean teacher and stuff, yeah. that he has actually got had some thought behind the character, yeah, and, yeah. and it's actually a well-developed, well-written character. Aside from him, just he's not just a regular mean old headmaster or vice principal. No, he has some depth and vulnerabilities. Um, Libby has been shown to have some as well. You know, oh, yeah, they, yeah. they are very good at not making characters just sort of 
Two-dimensional. Yeah, two di- mm. two-dimensional, not making them caricatures. Yeah. Making them more dynamic, you might say. Oh, God. What have, <laughs> I, st- what have I started? Um... <laughs> Time passes, and they say we rejoin the date just as Mr. Craft is finishing a story about how he hasn't spoken to his ex-wife and brother for years. And this is the first date he's had since the divorce. I mean, how long has that been? In fairness, know. I did feel a little sorry. It's like, this is the first date you've been on with someone who is literally a dummy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, poor bloke. Uh, he also says that he currently lives with his grandma. Using Hilda, Sabrina manages to convince Mr. Kraft to stop being mean to her, and Harvey as well, which he eventually agrees to because he likes how pushy Hilda is. Was this maybe what his marriage was a bit like? Yeah, it's a bit, bit of a, I think I think he's a bit, a bit, of, a, bit of a sub, don't you think? Yeah. A sub. Yeah, um, uh, it, alarm bells started ringing in my head, that's I all mean, I'm saying. You're into what you're into, Mr. Kraft. That's fine. But, um, yeah, in- in- interesting. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Again, uh, another layer of depth which doesn't necessarily need to be explored, but because it's been. <laughs> <laughs> another. It definitely doesn't, no. <laughs> so, just, just as all is going well, Valerie rocks up and tells Sabs that she is too nervous to go out with Kirk. Well, the fact that she got so excited, she arrived at the restaurant six hours early, and our hair and her makeup is going to pot. What sort of teenagers go to Custer's Steakhouse for the first date? Yeah, it's not, you know... Cowboy special. Evidently, the slicery set has been dismantled. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it might have been Kirk's impression. You know, know, he's a a job. We all know that the coach is a bit of a feeder. So he might say, go go to Custer's. Have a steak, lots of protein. Have the cowboy special. It's five different meats for your son. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bulk up. Sabrina has clearly forgotten about the current situation and everything she says to Valerie is just coming out of Hilda's mouth, including compliments about how beautiful Valerie is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, first she says, it says, are you here with Kirk? And we've got to Mr. Kraft. I don't know her, Kirk. <laughs> we then cut back to Sabrina and she says, oh, no, you look beautiful. And he says, oh, thank you. We don't hear Hilda saying these words, we just see Sabrina saying it to Valerie and then um, it cuts to Mr. Kraft's reaction to Hilda saying it which probably makes it funny <laughs> yeah um, like, you look really good in that outfit he goes oh really yeah you look beautiful and he's like oh thanks doesn't make me look too hippie so, yeah <laughs> and then and then Sabrina uh, Valerie says oh I think I've got an eyelash on my cheek and she says come closer of course then Mr. Kraft gets close to, uh, to uh, Hilda and she says oh no closer and he gets a bit closer and then she picks it and obviously you know, I'm sure you boys do it. You know, if make you get an eyelash, make a wish. And he takes his glasses off and has clearly made his wish. Yeah. And just snugs Hilda's face. Something that uh, didn't really need to happen, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it I does. It well, does, it does for this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously, kind of a bit like a Snow White sort of magic uh, kissing uh, the the princesses brought her yeah. back to life. Well, same universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah it's come back uh, so she snaps out of this she screams pushes him away magics up some mace some, yes and, yeah. then, and just sprays poor Mr. Kraft yeah. in the Bam, face pepper spray in the face so all in all this scene established a lot of sympathy for Mr. Kraft <laughs> yeah it was very fast paced because she she <clears throat> screams magics the, uh, the, uh, the pepper spray sprays him in the face her and Sabrina meet they scream and then yeah. that's it we'll cut back home now yeah we're... Uh, Hilda is dragging Serena through the house because she's going to take her not to the witch's council to to see how she's about her crimes, but no, because Zelda is better at 
punishinger than, than Hilda is. Yeah. I, and I feel like the reason that is, is because Hilda's type of punishment, she knows she cannot carry out on her own niece. Oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, she is she is the head torturer of her own mm. dungeon, mm. isn't she? Well, Hilda both has very little in the way of morals, so doesn't really sort of see what's wrong with just about anything anybody does. And if she does... But basically, she doesn't do punishment for a wrong. She just swears vengeance on people who <laughs> have wronged her yeah. in uh, increasingly bloody ways. Oh, exactly, so, uh, yeah. Zelda can't believe what Sabrina did and quizzes her actions behind it. Sab says that she did it all for Harvey, but Zelda isn't convinced it was a completely selfless act. So she says she must prove herself by standing in a magic circle, and if she's telling the truth, she'll stay in it. Seems pretty easy. However... That's not all. She must now wrestle with her conscience, which takes the form of a massive sumo wrestler who chases her out of it and around the other realm. This season is becoming even more surreal than last. Wow. Well, yeah. well, that's not the most surreal bit. The most surreal bit is, well, sort of just right at the end. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but I'm just saying that it's laying the groundwork. Oh, exactly. I think there's a bit more budget, there's a bit more creativity, and there's probably other people looking at this show as well now that... Um, now Schofield isn't the showrunner of the show anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe people are just trying to see how wacky they can get it. Nell's gone, finally we can do that sumo scene. <laughs> <laughs> um. Back at school, and Valerie is telling Sabrina about her date with Kirk, which went well, however she thinks uh, he isn't the one, because despite being cute and popular, all he talked about was engines. Boring. So, so he likes cars. Not wrong with that. Nah, but... If that's all you're going to talk about, I mean, I guess it's like Harvey's dad, all he maybe, talks well, about yeah, is... Yeah, maybe he has a boorish dad who never shuts yeah. up about cars and football and guns either, so... Uh... Yeah, yeah. She goes to class and Mr. Kraft says that he is going to keep an eye on Sabrina and her whole family. So I guess, would you say this perhaps could be another overarching storyline while he's while Mr. Kraft's in it? There's going to be bits where he may be... So what, what, what? Walks in on the witches doing some magic? Yeah, I, I so, think... subconsciously witnesses Sabrina doing stuff and... Yeah, and Sabrina's always got to try and convince him that, oh, no, no, it's just you being crazy. Yeah, something's going on here, and I'm onto it. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is going to be sort of part of the... uh, Like a private eye. Yeah, I was going to say, is there going to be a a, a spin-off of uh, Sabrina Knights (laughs) (laughs) with Willard Kraft? Harvey comes over and asks if she wants to go to the slicery after school, but she can't because she's grounded. Literally grounded. She's been planted in the garden in the rain. This is harsh. <laughs> they do magic carried umbrella for when it rains. Nonetheless, she is... I'm assuming this isn't like witching law or anything. This is something Hilda and Zelda have decided to do, is bury their niece in the ground for not that great of a misdemeanor, really. I mean, I guess it was pretty sort of like... You know, well, she roofied her aunt. You know, she did, yeah, she did She did basically... Uh, okay, yeah. She possessed her aunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if it, I possess my aunt... I, you know, I, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, yeah. maybe a grounding is is too little. And if it's a choice between being buried in the ground and taken to the dungeon, I know which one I'd rather have. Yeah, yeah, so, she, uh, she has been buried alive, hasn't she? Well, no, her head's out. Yeah. Her head's sticking out, so that's alright, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but as she points out, it, there could be thunder and lightning, so it's, it's, look, you've got an umbrella from the rain. Yeah, but great, so I'm... Yeah, my head's next to lightning rod. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Hilda and Zelda are definitely inventive when it comes to punishments. Yes. Oh, exactly, yeah. Maybe the whole witches are, so that's cool. Uh, the credits roll, and Salem is trying to pay Cupid in anchovies, and uh, unfortunately he won't also take checks. 
Salem's money's no good anyway. No. <laughs> Salem's got no money. Uh, Cupid says that he downright refuses to make Sherry Lewis fall in love with Salem because he's a cat. He leaves and Salem tells him to get a real job and some pants. And that's that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was also with just because I was finding out about who Sherry Lewis because I'd never heard of it. I'd, I'd heard of Lamb Chop, but I didn't know yeah. what it was. Oh, Lamb Chop, as you've called him in those Oh, Lamb Chop. <laughs> <laughs> so Sherry Lewis was a ventriloquist who performed a little lamb called uh, Lamb Chop. And she actually died a year after this episode airs. Oh, Yeah, but um, Lamb Chop, you really don't know about that. Like, that's, yeah, that, that was quite... It's just quite often sort of like parodied and things. Like she did it for years, like well, yeah, the decades, probably right up until she died. But I think started in the uh, in the sixties. Um, she was quite sort of quite an attractive lady as well, and sort of um, particularly like in her, in her younger years, it was quite unusual for sort of somebody sort of that glamorous to be doing it, act like a ventriloquist mm. act, which was very very popular at one point in time. Yeah. yeah. So Salem has he got a, a fetish about being having a possessive woman in a way? Maybe. Or? Maybe. Um, maybe. Maybe it's just a nod to. To the uh, puppeteers on the show themselves as well. It could be, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, Salem is, in fact, a puppet. A puppet with an arsehole. So there we go, episode three of season two, uh, entitled Dummy for Love. Boys, did you enjoy it? Were you, uh, did you enjoy it? Did you love this episode? I, I, I don't know if love is the right word, but I very, very much enjoyed it because... Again, you know, it's sort of there is a bit of furthering the plot, the fact that Mr. Kraft is uh, being fleshed out as a character, but also seems to have a mission as far as sort of rumbling uh, Sabrina, and he's got sort of like a personal stake in it now because he's almost been sort of humiliated. He's been humiliated mm-hmm. by the Spellmans. So yeah, a nice bit of uh, character and plot development, along with you know some very funny scenes. I loved uh, Salem. Uh, Hitting a new level in his, uh, his crying game, <laughs> um, I thought. You know, I thought Caroline Ray uh, put in a, a very good performance, sort of be you know appearing to be empty vessel for sort of. Oh, kind of a bit like mannequin, really. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all in all, I thought it was a, a very fine episode indeed. Yeah, uh, Chris, do you have the same same thoughts on this episode? Does, is, is, it, is it does it is it continuing the uh, the great start that we've uh, we've got so far with the season? Uh, I'd say this was quite a uh, a level. A level episode. I, will, I, will, it, I wouldn't hold it next to uh, next to the first two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good. It was entertaining. Again, it was fast-paced. I like that about this new season. Mm-hmm. And it's still introducing new story arcs that yeah. could be seen throughout. So again, I, I feel like it's another setup episode more than yeah. anything. Yeah. It's a setup episode for Mr. Kraft's attention towards Hilda. Uh, his uh, possibly viewing. Uh, witchy acts, as well as you know, setting up Salem's awesome cries. <laughs> yeah. So again, I feel like it was just another setup episode more yeah. than anything else. Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't think you know, it's it's good that uh, we're getting so much depth into a character we've we've only just been introduced to. We get we've gone this this is uh, Mr. Kraft's second episode, and we've already seen two really big contrasting sides to him and I think yep. that's great for a new character being introduced especially seeing that we lost Mr. Poole in the process it's great that you know though Mr. Poole can't be replaced he has been um, you know swapped out for a very in-depth character I think yep. so it's really really good to see and especially his side quest of uh, you know find, keeping tabs on Sabs mm, yep. um, I think it's going to be very very interesting I hope it does follow suit with uh, the other story art we've got but what do I know I'm not the rank master but my companion to the right of me is uh, Christopher each week he decides the, uh, the well he raises the bar he tells us what he believes and you know outrightly so it's probably correct what the episode is scored as and so episode three dummy for love what do you think Chris 
Six Mother Teresas out of Salem. Okay. Six Mother Teresas. Okay. Graham, do you think that's harsh? Or um, uh, yeah, I think six is too low, but it is, is standard. Good. But I am, I think, in order to give them credit for continuing on the season just feeling different and feeling, yeah. you know, alive with possibilities, I'm going to sort of still rank it quite highly. I'd say 7.5. Okay, and I am... Um... I think I'm going to go a bit high. I'm going to say eight. I think on this episode, just because I really liked the how deep they've gone with Mr. Craft so early on, um, I, I just I really sort of appreciate the uh, the level of writing so early on in this season with a new character. So definitely a cracker, and I only hope the next one continues this great strong flow. Would you like to know what it's called? Yes, it is called Dante's Inferno. It's just called Dante's Inferno. <laughs> As in Dante's Inferno. It's called Dante's From Inferno. From the Divine Comedy. Yeah, Dante's Inferno. Um, so are you going to ask us what it's about? Chris, what do you think it's about? I think it's about Dante's Inferno, Phil. <laughs> but for, for, okay. our li- for our listeners, uh, very briefly. Isn't it, very, yeah? I'll do it briefly and we'll do it more in depth next week. I actually have the Divine Comedy and I am reading it. So Dante's Inferno is one, uh, one of the uh, stories within the three stories of how he travelled through... Uh, through hell, and this is him in hell, in the inferno. So I'm going to go with Sabrina somehow finds herself in one of the nine circles of hell. <laughs> um, I mean, it's we've had two now episodes just named directly after classic works. I mean, yeah. so we had the Crucible in the last series, and now we've got Dante's Inferno, which I have to say I don't know too much about. I I don't know. I guess that there must be some. Maybe there's some sort of plane. Maybe there is actually a character called Dante. I really don't know. Oh dear. Well, I shall let you know. Uh, so Dante's Inferno follows. Sabrina goes on a date with a family friend, Dante, who's a young lad oh. from the from the other realm. He then comes to the mortal realm for the first time ever and causes a bit of a ruckus. Or an inferno, if you will. Yes, so that is Dante's Inferno. So I don't think she's going to be venturing into the uh, you know the nine circles of hell. However, he is definitely going to be causing all kinds of hell in uh, the mortal realm at Harvey's expense. Oh, poor Harvey. Well, mm. I, I'll be definitely not sleeping this week then. I'll be worrying about poor Harvey. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. I've been Phil Dean all the way through. All the way through as well I believe has been this man to my left is Mr. Graham Riley. See ya. And the man to my right Chris Evans. Bye bye. Sabrina the Teenage Watch is available in many different formats so whether you're listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio or iTunes please leave us a comment or a review. Your support means we get more listeners, and it means our hard work is not going to waste. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror. If you want to contact us or keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at Sabrina Watch. And you can find us on Facebook, just search for Sabrina the Teenage Watch, and there we shall be. And thank you to you for listening wherever you are. And remember, may every little thing you do be be magic. magic.